Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we're continuing on in our sermon series called Imprint, where we're trying to remember life lessons that were first imprinted on us when we were kids. And when we were kids, we all learned to make quick assessments about a lot of different things. We learned how to quickly pick out which box of cereal we wanted to eat, or which cartoon we were going to watch, or which book we wanted to read. The problem is that we also learned to make quick assessments about other people when we were kids. But in this episode's sermon, we're going to be reminded that we need to look past a person's cover. And when we do that, we can recognize the inherent value and worth that every individual has as a child of God. So let's get right into this episode's sermon. So a couple of weeks ago, while my family was away on our summer vacation, we had the chance to stop by a place called Powell's City of Books. And Powell City of Books is the largest independent bookstore in the entire world, which may make you wonder just how big is this bookstore. Well, Powell City of Books covers an entire city block in the city of Portland, Oregon. It has more than 68,000 square feet of retail space. That space is divided up into nine different color-coded rooms that have more than 3,500 sections of different books. So all totaled, Powell City of Books has somewhere around a million books on hand and available for sale every single day. So when I first walked through the doors of Powell City of Books, it almost felt like the heavens had opened up and the angels started singing the Hallelujah Chorus. Because, for those of you that know me, you know that I'm a bit of a bibliophile, which is a fancy way of saying that I love books. I mean, at last count, if you were to walk into my office, you'd see that I have somewhere around a thousand or more books sitting on the shelves in my office. At home, I've got a few hundred more books sitting on the shelves there. Every year, I read about 80 books from cover to cover. So yeah, I love books. But honestly, what's not to love about books? Right? I mean, books can tell you the story of a majestic lion who rules over a fictional land that you can only find on the other side of an old wardrobe tucked away in a spare room. And books can tell you the story of a super spy who is trying to uncover his own identity. Books can take you to a magical castle that is tucked away in the British countryside on the other side of a forbidden forest. And books can take you on a rip-roaring adventure that leads you all across the United States. What's not to love about books? Books can tell you where you've been. Books can help you figure out and dream about where you're going. Books can help you become a better person. They can help you become a better professional. Books can take you to worlds that you never knew existed, and they can help you learn things that you never knew at all about the world that we currently live in. So yes, I love books. And I also looking for, love looking for the next book that I'm going to add to my reading list. So when I walked through the doors of Powell City of Books, truth is I could have spent all day there wandering through different sections and shelves looking for books that I might want to add to my to-be-read list. But that may make you wonder, well, how do I determine what's going to go on my reading list in the future? Well, there's a lot of different things that can factor into what books I want to read. Like, sometimes I just go looking for the latest book that's been written by one of my favorite authors. And yeah, there are a few authors that I'll read just about anything that they write. Or sometimes I'll hear about a book that sounds interesting when I'm listening to a podcast or watching TV that I'll want to add to my reading list. 
While we were at Pal City of Books, one of the books that we picked up was written by Ken Jennings, who is one of the hosts of Jeopardy. And we picked that book up because Ken Jennings was at Pal City of Books the same time that we were, so we got to meet him and have him sign a copy of his new book for us. But if you want to know how I ended up choosing the vast majority of books that are sitting on my shelves right now, I have to be honest with you admit, and admit that I choose most of my books by looking at their covers. I mean, what can I say? I'm just a sucker for a catchy title and a fancy graphic design. But aren't we all? I mean, who wouldn't want to read a book called I Became a Christian and All I Got Was This Lousy T-Shirt? Or I'm Fine with God, It's Christians I Can't Stand. Or even Psychic Pancakes and Communion Pizza, which was written by a former staff person here at Melbourne Heights. I mean, there's just something that seems to be almost hardwired in all of us that let us make these quick assessments based on a minimal amount of information. So when I'm out and I'm looking for a new book, I know that if I see words like suspense or mystery or thriller, then it may be worth buying for me. But I also know that if I see words like romance or I see a picture of a guy on the cover that looks like Fabio, then I don't need to buy that book. But our ability to make these quick assessments based on a minimal amount of information isn't just limited to picking out what books we want to read. The truth is that every single one of us make these quick assessments based on minimal amount of information every single day. And it's actually something that we start to learn how to do when we're kids. Now that's what we've been talking about here at Melbourne Heights over the last few weeks. We've been talking about life lessons that were first imprinted on us when we were kids in a series of sermons called Imprint. And we all know that there were a lot of valuable life lessons that we learned when we were younger. By the time that you were learning how to tie your shoes, you would also learn how to share and how to play fair and how to clean up your own mess. And yeah, about that same time, you were also learning how to make quick assessments based on a minimal amount of information. I mean, just stop and think about it for a minute. When you were a kid, you had to be able to make a snap decision on what books you wanted to buy when the Scholastic Book Fair came to your school. Because if you couldn't make a quick decision, then the latest Encyclopedia Brown book may have been sold before you got a chance to buy it. I'm speaking from personal experience, and I'm still mad that I didn't get to buy that book. Or when you were younger, you had to learn how to make a quick decision when you were on what cereal you wanted to buy when you were in the grocery store with your mom. Because if you waited too long and your mama lost her patience while you were standing in that cereal aisle, you were going to end up with a box of cereal that had a word like fiber on the cover instead of a cool cartoon character. You had to make quick decisions about what TV shows you wanted to watch when you had control of the remote, because if you didn't decide quickly enough, your older brother would come, smack you upside the head, and take the remote control. That happened to me way too many times when I was a kid. When you were a kid, you also had to make quick decisions about what you were going to put on your Christmas list every single year, because if you waited too long to send your Christmas list off to Santa Claus, there was a chance that you were going to end up with socks and underwear in your stockings instead of a cool doll or an action figure. So yes, when we are kids, we learn how to make these quick assessments based on a minimal amount of information. And you know what? That's not really an issue when it comes to deciding which book or which box of cereal you want to pull down off of a shelf. But it becomes an issue when it affects the way that we look at other people. Because whether we want to admit it or not, from the time that we're little, we start to learn to make quick assessments of other people 
based on a minimal amount of information. Or to put it another way for you, when we're kids, we learn to judge people by their covers. When we're kids, we learn to judge people by their covers. And if you don't believe me, just try to remember what it was like when you were a kid and you went into gym class and your gym teacher pulled out that big old canvas mesh bag that was filled with kickballs. As soon as that ball of kickballs came out, you knew what was going to happen next. Your gym teacher was going to pick two kids in your class, and they were going to be the team captains of the respective kickball teams, and that everybody else had to line up in a straight line and wait your turn to be selected. And as you were standing there in that line waiting to be selected, those two team captains were looking at everybody in your class like they were a slab of meat. And they were trying to figure out who's going to be the quickest, who's going to be the fastest, who's going to be the strongest. Because if they wanted to win that kickball game, they had to make sure that they had the best players possible. Or try to remember what it was like when your social studies teacher told you that, told your class that it was time to divide up so that you could work on a group project. Now, as soon as that happened, you started looking around at everybody in that classroom trying to figure out which one of your friends in that class was the smartest so that you could make sure that you made the best grade possible on that assignment. Just try to remember what it was like the first time that you walked into the cafeteria when you were in middle school or in high school, and you had to figure out where you wanted to sit down. So yeah, when we're kids, we learn to make these quick assessments based on minimal information about people. When we're kids, we learn to judge people by their covers. But as followers of Jesus... We know we're not supposed to do that. As followers of Jesus, we know we're not supposed to judge people by their covers. I mean, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us, don't judge so that you won't be judged. And then he goes on to get on to us about focusing on the speck of dust in our neighbor's eye while we have a great big old two-by-four hanging out of our own eyes. Or in the Gospel of John, when a group of men drag a woman caught in the act of adultery before Jesus because they want to stone this woman to death, Jesus says to them, let he who is without sin throw the first stone, and every one of those men walk away. So we know that we're not supposed to judge people by their covers. But I want to spend the rest of our time together this morning, today, talking about how it is we are supposed to treat people. And to help us do that, I want us to take a look at a passage of Scripture that we find in the book of Acts. So if you've got a Bible close by, let me encourage you to grab it and turn to Acts chapter 8. And as you're finding Acts chapter 8, let me tell you a little bit more about the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is found in the New Testament in our Bible, and there are basically two kinds of books that we find in the New Testament. We either find books that tell us about Jesus or we find books that tell us how our faith in Jesus grew and spread in the decades after Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. Well, the book of Acts is that latter kind of book. It tells us about how our faith in Jesus grew and spread after his crucifixion and his resurrection. And in Acts chapter 8, we're going to get a pretty good picture of just how our faith was able to grow and spread. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 8 together. I want us to start reading in verse 26. Here's what it says. It says, An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip, telling him, At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he did. 
Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem, where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is a title given to the Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his chariot. All right, let's stop here for a couple of minutes. So the verses that we just read were introduced to two different people, right? We're introduced to a man named Philip who was walking on a desert road. And this isn't actually the first time that we meet Philip in the book of Acts. We actually meet Philip for the very first time in Acts chapter 6, when Philip is set aside by the apostles to serve as a deacon. Sometimes we get this a little confused. The Philip in this story isn't Philip who is one of Jesus' disciples. It's a deacon in the early church. But Philip is out walking this desert road because he wants to spread and share the good news of Jesus with others. And as he's out on this desert road, he sees this second person, the second man. The second man is described to us as an Ethiopian eunuch. And we find out that this Ethiopian eunuch is in a chariot and he is reading a portion, a passage of the Bible, specifically that comes from the book of Isaiah. Now, for you and I, if we were thinking about who it is that we wanted to go have a conversation about our faith with, if we saw somebody sitting out reading their Bible, they would seem to be a really good candidate for us to go and talk with them about our faith, right? But that's not at all the case for Philip when he sees this Ethiopian eunuch along the side of the road sitting in his chariot reading the Bible. Because from the way that the author of Acts describes the person that Philip meets, he's really telling us, he's really describing this person's cover for us. And based on this person's cover alone, there's no reason that Philip should have wanted to go and talk with this man. I mean, first of all, we find out this person is sitting inside of a chariot. And this was happening during a day and age, in Jesus' time, when just about everyone walked everywhere that they went. A smaller number of people were fortunate enough that they might have had an animal that they could ride if they were traveling for longer distances. So just knowing that this person is riding in a chariot tells us that they are extremely wealthy. And in Matthew 19.24, Jesus tells us, that it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The next thing that we're told in this passage is that this person is from Ethiopia. And you may or may not be aware of this, because it goes back a long way in Israel's history, but the people of Israel, Philip's people, don't have the best of relationships with Ethiopia. Because if you go back and you read the book of Second Chronicles, you actually find there's at least two different occasions when the Ethiopian army wants to fight a battle with the people of Israel in an attempt to conquer them and claim their land. So the second strike, this person that Philip meets on the road, is that the place that he comes from has been an enemy of Philip's people. And then the third thing that we know about this person is that they are a eunuch. This is somebody who has been castrated. And this is a common practice that happened during this time period whenever a man was serving in a queen's court, like we've already been told that the Ethiopian eunuch is doing. But that doesn't change the fact that inside of the Bible, in passages like Deuteronomy uh, verses 20, chapter 23, verse 1, or Leviticus 21.19, that it is specifically forbidden for anyone who has been castrated to being admitted to the assembly of God. This person that Philip meets on the side of the road has three strikes against him. 
That means that there is no way that if you were judging a book by its cover alone that Philip should go over and interact with this person. He should have went running the other way as soon as he saw who was in this chariot on the side of the road. But as we keep reading in the book of Acts, we're going to see that that's not at all what happens. So let's pick back up in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, and see what does take place. Here's what it says. It says, The Spirit told Philip, Approach this carriage and stay with it. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, Do you really understand what you're reading? The man replied, Without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and to sit with him. This was the passage of scripture that he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, about whom does this prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with that passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? He ordered that the carriage should halt. But both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water where Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Lord's Spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. So if you are judging a book by its cover, the Ethiopian eunuch is the absolute last person that Philip should have wanted to share the good news of Jesus with. But that's not what happens in this passage. When everything that Philip can see tells him that he should go running away from the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip goes running toward him. And why does Philip do that? Well, the answer is really easy. Philip does it because this Ethiopian eunuch needs help. He sees him sitting in the chariot reading a passage of the Bible that this Ethiopian eunuch cannot fully understand on his own. But Philip is a follower of Jesus. He can help this eunuch understand what it is that he's reading and give his life to Jesus. So when Philip meets this man on the side of the road, he doesn't care about what his cover looks like. Philip doesn't care how much money this man has. Philip doesn't care what country this person came from. Philip doesn't care that this person is supposed to be forbidden from entering and being admitted into the assembly of God. No, when Philip saw this person, he saw somebody who needed help, and he went and he helped him. That's what we, as followers of Jesus, are supposed to do. That's how we're supposed to treat other people. I mean, this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5.14 when Jesus teaches us that you are the light of the world. And then he goes on to tell us, let your light shine before others. This is what Jesus wants us to do. So when we see people who are hurting... We need to shine Jesus' light. When we see people who need help, we need to shine Jesus' light. When we see people who are hurting, when we see people who, who need help, we don't need to be concerned with their cover. 
We don't need to be thinking about how much money they may have. We don't need to be thinking about where they come from. We don't need to be thinking about who they love. All we need to look at is see somebody who needs help and then go about the work of helping them. So as followers of Jesus, we need to learn to look past a person's cover. As followers of Jesus, we need to learn to look past a person's cover. And we need to be able to see people for who they are. Because when we can look past a person's cover, we can see that everyone we will ever meet is a child of God, created with infinite value, created with infinite worth. Every person you ever see, every person you ever interact with is somebody that God loves so much that God sent his only son into this world to lay down his life for them. If God loves them that much, then we should love them too. So yeah, as kids from a really early age, we learn how to make quick assessments based on a minimal amount of information. We learn to judge people by their covers. But as followers of Jesus, we know that's not how we're supposed to treat anybody else. We know we're supposed to look past that cover. We know that we're supposed to see people that Jesus loves. And we know that we're supposed to do everything that we can to love everyone that we meet, just like Jesus loves us all. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know who we are. God, you know that every one of us seems to have it wired in us to judge things by their covers. And while that's not a big deal when it comes to picking out a book or a, bo a box of cereal, God, it is a big deal when it comes to the way that we look at and treat other people. God, far too often we spend our time thinking about who we should exclude our presence from. Instead of thinking about who you came into this world to give your life for. God, you came for every single person, everyone that we will ever meet. We will never look into the eyes of a person that is not created in your image, that does not have infinite value and worth, that you did not love enough to send your son for. So God, my prayer is that you open our eyes so that we can see everyone that we meet the same way that you see us. Because, yes, God, all of us are imperfect. We all have faults. We all have flaws. But that doesn't change the fact that you love us all. So, God, help us to do a better job of loving each other and not focusing on each other's covers. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has reminded you that we can't judge people by their covers. We need to look past their covers. We need to see people for who they really are. We need to help people who are hurting. We need to be there for others. 
Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode, but next week we're going to be finishing up our sermon series called Imprint, where we've been learning life lessons that were first imprinted on us when we were kids. And next week we're going to be talking about how important it uh, it is for us to never hesitate to celebrate. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app, Or you can come and worship with us live on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We'd love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I'll be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.